I feel like I made the wrong decision for him. If I can't even put my foot down and I don't have control over the situation, I can't be a good mom. clip you heard uh, that was from TLC's reality show 90 Day Fiance um, that was Ariel uh, speaking on her decision or should I say bullying into having her son's genitals cut uh, this was uh, mostly because of the father Bynum who who was really adamant that, you know, his son would be cut. Uh, so a little background, 90 Day Fiance is exactly what the title says. Uh, you know, he's, he's an experiment in culture shock. Uh, they take people from different countries. So Ariel is an uh, American woman and Bynum is an Ethiopian man. So, I mean, uh, you could, you could surmise or you could guess that things were, they made it past the 90 day mark if they're able to have a child. But, you know, it's interesting. This is the situation that's come up. Um, Obviously, the social media response to this issue has been, it's been ridiculous. Um, I saw one tweet where someone was saying that uh, their baby was being dramatic, just like his mom. Like, oh, okay, yeah, make sure you go and get your genitals cut without anesthesia. See how dramatic you'll be. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how, you know, how this whole situation really exposes how dishonest people are about the issue. You know, often people will say that, you know, cutting the male child is a parent's decision. But one thing I'll commonly ask people I'll I'll ask you know if the parents disagree you know whose decision should override the others and clearly they really mean that it's the circumcising parents decision and I'll see all sorts of arguments that you know, the baby's not going to want to grow up and do it when he's an adult. So, of course, force it on him when he's a child. But then you run into, it, it presupposes a lot of unnecessary things. It's like, why would, you have to ask yourself, why would a healthy adult want to cut his genitals? But, you know, people often gloss over that fact. 
And, you know, it was interesting that people would, you know, try to use uh, Ariel's religion as a as an excuse to kind of force her, uh, force her, bully her into the choice that was made. You know, uh, a lot of these people cite in the religious argument. I mean, how, you know, how strict are they when it comes to certain tenets? You know, I'm sure there's a lot of cherry picking that they're guilty of, you know, so for her, for them to, you know, hold that over her is just kind of hypocritical. And even, even with that, I mean, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole, a whole host of issues with uh, trying to, you know, jail people to the religion they were brought up with. Uh, which kind of goes into my next uh, next point or the next thing I want to discuss and analyze. Uh, There's a really good article uh, written by Dr. Kai Mahler. Uh, he's, a, he's a professor at the London School of Economics. Uh, he actually wrote about this back in 2017 for the magazine uh, Jurisprudence. It's uh, kind of a collection of legal articles that discuss uh, issues and human rights cases and things like that. So uh, he wrote this in response to, uh, I mean, this, uh, this, this was a similar situation and, uh, Germany or a Cologne, uh, where the issue of ritual male circumcision, uh, was, uh, was, uh, being discussed. Um, and he, he makes a really, uh, I, I like the terminology he uses, uh, it's called, uh, the autonomy conception of parental authority. Uh, according to which parental authority must be exercised such as to ensure that the child will become an autonomous adult. While parents may raise their child in line with their ethical, including religious convictions, respect for this autonomy requires that this be done in a way that allows the child to later distance himself from these values. This applies, among other things, that Irreversible physical changes are impermissible. So this ties into my the title of the this episode. You know, parental rights aren't property rights. Yeah, you know, really. The parents are just custodians of future adults. You know, the decisions that they make should only be to nurture and support their growth to be free, rational decision-making adults. 
I mean, I, I know this is kind of a, this, this, this is actually kind of a radical concept, you know, and this, uh, you know, in, in 2020, you know, uh, people will, will say best interest, but oftentimes a lot of these so-called so best interest, uh, best interest things that people as ascribe to parenting it's it's not it's not based on any legitimate desire but rather it takes advantage of you know a child's temporarily dependence and inability to make certain decisions you know case in point uh, male genital cutting. Now, I've said this before. I mean, I have no problem with an adult choosing to make that decision. You know, people can pierce. They can pierce their genitals. They can sound their genitals. Don't look that up. I mean, there's even people go for sub incision there are people who penectomy glanzectomy orchiectomy i mean there's all kinds of wild things that people do but i don't i don't judge that you know it's it's their right it's their body so they they should be able to do what they want um of course, my issue is forcing that onto children. And, you know, oftentimes people will use the reasoning that, well, I mean, adults will choose it. So it's reasonable to, you know, uh, project that consent onto the child. But that's really the wrong way to go about things, especially with regards to genital cutting, because it's, I mean, it, I don't know if people are very knowledgeable about how the two, uh, two procedures are different, like uh, in terms of adult cutting, I mean, there's, there's obvious, there's an obvious physiological difference between an adult's genitals and a child's genitals and you know there's uh there's like a whole host of complications that just really don't exist they don't prop up you know if, if an adult chooses for themselves you know things like you know there's peroni's disease there's metal stenosis uh And of course, the keratinization and things like uneven scarring that can cause uh, bowed or painful re erections. You know, these would, and not to mention cutting the frenulum. Uh, like I said, these would be these would be grounds for serious uh, medical malpractice.
you know, there would be, you know, doctors would be getting sued or even worse. You know, imagine, imagine a 30 year old waking up with that kind of, <laughs> waking up to those kinds of issues. He's, he might get violent. It's, it's, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, because this happens, you know, because babies grow up with it, it's all they ever know. So they have no frame of reference. Even, even like when boys are cut, um, you know, people all, people forget that, you know, often in Islam or parts of Africa and the Philippines, you know, male genital cutting happens when the person is conscious. And, you know, that just, just opens up the door to PTSD and trauma and repression. And, you know, um, so, You know, uh, going back to the sort of parental choice or the parents, parents, right? Um, you know, it's, it's really not a, you know, it's, it's really not in the parents' place to you know, just imagine if a parent wanted to tattoo their child. I mean, there's a society where this was permissible or, I mean, there are lots of societies where this is permissible, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's really meant to is really meant for the parents' best interest, uh, more so than the child's. You know, it's the parent imposing their will, imposing their you know their aesthetics of how the child should look. You know, you look at other practices like facial scarring and. Um, you know, lip elongation, ear elongation, and breast ironing. So it's, yeah, you could argue that adults would make these decisions on their own, but, you know, are they doing it? You know, what, what percentage of these adults are doing it because they want to, or is it because they, they've been instilled with a lot of fear and anxiety about, uh, making such a, about conforming or, you know, making such a decision and, you know, as, as a society, we've really got to question, you know, not even just the physical 
physical alterations, but, you know, some of these uh, mental and psychological alterations that people quote-unquote claim are about instilling good values and morality in, into a child. You know, uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, like Dr. Mahler, I'm not totally against religious-based education or anything like that, but it's, it has to be done in such a way that, you know, our are you legitimately teaching the child or is it just another grooming ritual where, you know, you're, you're kind of psych psychologically scaring them into a choice rather than letting the child reason and decide on their own, you know, what, what are the advantages and disadvantages of, you know, making certain decisions or choosing uh, religion, you know. And that's, that's the thing with uh, male gender cutting, you know, these, that decision as, you know, as far as medical technology is concerned is, is, is permanent. You know, there's no reversing it. I mean, people, people will cite uh, foreskin rest restoration. I mean, that's it, it. It repairs some of the damage, but it's not. It's not complete, especially not in the way that you know, not in the way that, say, for instance people could get therapy or, and, you know, other kinds of, uh, psychological treatment for some uh, abusive indoctrination or grooming that they've experienced. So that's, that's one thing that should be taken in, into account with regards to these situations. Uh oh, Let's see. But anyways, re relating it back to the 90 day fiance thing, it's, yeah, I think it, I think it was great that they had this decision. I mean, personally, I'm disappointed that Ariel really couldn't you know, was bullied and really couldn't put her foot down, but that's that's the reality of the situation for a lot of a lot of women, a lot of mothers. You know, I and I can sort of empathize and understand the position of the fathers in this situ uh, situation. Uh there's a really great essay by Vincent Botch botch or bach uh 
I'll I'll link it I'll link it in a post below, but it really goes into the psych psychological state of fathers with regards to this issue. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. You know, if you listen to Bynum and his reasoning, uh I mean, you could you could sense some insecurity. You could sense some, you know, there's some fear that, you know, if he doesn't cut his son, then he would have to face the fact that his cut wasn't necessary, and you know that, and of course, the only one of the easiest ways to resolve such cognitive dissonance is to just deny it altogether and perpetuate the cycle. Uh, so with that, I, I, it's unfortunate. I mean, you can see the look on his face, you know, in the episode that, you know, he, he really, he really wasn't sure of his decision, and he was just kind of, you know, especially after hearing his baby cry and hearing Ariel cry with, with his baby. You know, I don't, I don't think he really was thinking it through. He just kind of. You know, he's just caught up in the social aspect of it. You know, he wanted he wanted his son to match himself, and he wanted he didn't want his son. You know, if you listen to him, he didn't want his son to stick out or be different. But it's which to me is just kind of a ridiculous argument. I mean, Bynum is is a dark Ethiopian and his wife is a white Jewish woman. So are already, you know, he's really going to be different from his peers, regardless of where he's even going to be raised or where he's even going to grow up. So that was, that's a weak argument on his part, but But yeah, ultimately, I think as I, you know, I hope I hope he'll learn from this situation. I mean, in the activist movement, uh, some of the strongest some of the strongest advocates are regret parents. So, you know, I I hope this episode really exposes and empowers people and really, uh, you know, gets people to think, you know, a, a lot of people had, hadn't even heard, like, they didn't show this, the circumcision, but, you know, they could hear their babies cry. And, and there's a clear difference, there's a distinct difference between a regular baby crying for like milk or attention and you know the kind of shrieking a baby does when they're in pain and you know i honestly that's that's not even something that 
most humans should even hear about or even have to identify, but that, unfortunately, that's that's the that's the reality. Um, like I said, there's obviously stirred up a lot of activity and controversy. It's a yeah, it's a fairly popular show, Ninety Day Fiance. Um, but you know, obviously, this is. You know, it's something that's gonna is gonna be in the discourse, not only just reality television, but just parenting in general. And you know, I hope I hope it really pushes people to really think about again is just because you're a parent, I mean that doesn't give you ultimate authority over another person's life. That's, you know, we, we treat parenting as this ultimate uh, accomplishment or, you know, the mere ability to impregnate or to become impregnated. It's a privilege, but it's not, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it something that entitles, uh, entitles or grants someone rights or, or, uh, Again, ultimate authority over someone. You know, we're, anyways, I repeated myself and going in circles, but uh, yeah, I hope uh, I hope I don't get canceled by parenting blogs or anyone like that who misinterprets uh, what I'm saying. But basically, you know, uh, parents authority is to raise children to become free thinking adults and it really it really doesn't hurt society to you know treat children with a little bit more respect and a little bit more autonomy you know, I think that's just fear-mongering from abusive and narcissistic parenting style. But, anyways, that's, I think I've spoken enough. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk again later. <laughs>